0: to a place unexpected would you believe after all we projected a child in a you suffer do you believe is this who we play
1: Thrones came as a child, savior of this race, humankind. Lord, God, just please be with us today. Help us celebrate the birth of your son. It's a week away, and the kids have come up with just this amazing demonstration of what we can use our holy imagination went on please be with everyone that's been involved in this I pray that if anyone who does not know who Jesus is today is the day that it changes Father God just continue to do a work in us helping lead us and guide us with your holy spirit god we love you we ask all these things in jesus name amen
2: a long time ago in a city of nazareth there was a woman named mary mary was promised to marry a man named joseph who lived there too
3: one day an angel of god came and talked to mary He told Mary she was going to have a baby.
4: Mary, you're going to have a baby. And it'll be the Son of God. Oh, okay.
0: And then the angel left.
4: Now Joseph wasn't sure what to do when he heard that Mary was going to have a baby. So one night while he was asleep, the angel came. Talk to Joseph too. Joseph, Mary is going to have a baby. From God, it's okay for you to take care of her and the baby. You will name the baby Jesus. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so that's just what he did.
2: A while later, the emperor in Rome, Caesar Augustus, said that everyone had to go to their own hometown to be counted.
4: Everyone, go back back to your hometown so I can help.
2: So Mary and Joseph went to the town of Bethlehem to be counted, because Joseph was of the house and line of David, and Bethlehem was known as the city of David.
3: There were lots of people there, too. There were so many people, in fact, that there was no room at the inn for them. So Mary and Joseph stayed in a stable, which was a place for animals to stay warm and dry.
4: There was a cow there. Mm.
3: There was a sheep there. Ah.
4: There was a chicken there.
2: (laughs) And Mary and Joseph stayed there, too. While they were there, baby Jesus was born, and Mary took him and wrapped him up warm and laid him in the manger
3: that night there were some shepherds out in the fields watching over their flocks and the angel came and talked to the shepherds and they were terribly afraid
4: find the baby, wrapped he saw cloth and lying
3: in a manger. And all of a sudden, there were lots of angels saying, Glory to God, to God in, the in the highest, peace on, on earth, goodwill to, to men. You. And then the angel left.
4: And when the angels had left, the shepherds went and found the baby Jesus in the manger just as they had been told. worshipped
2: him. Not far away in a place called Jerusalem, there lived an evil king named Herod. One day after baby Jesus had been born, wise men came to Jerusalem looking for the newly born king of the Jews. They asked King Herod where he
3: was. So the wise men went and found baby Jesus by following his star. And when they found him, they worshipped him.
4: But King Herod didn't really want to worship baby Jesus. He wanted to harm him. The wise men were warned by God about this. So they went home another way. When the king found out he was tricked, really mad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was determined to destroy this newborn king, so King Herod sent his soldiers to Bethlehem to find the baby Jesus.
4: Go find him and destroy him.
2: But God warned Joseph in a dream to get out of there.
3: Get
4: out of there
0: <laughs>
3: And so they did. And so Joseph and Mary and the little baby Jesus went to Egypt, and they stayed there until the evil King Herod died. (laughs) After King Herod died, God told Joseph it was safe to come back because the people who wanted the child dead had now died.
4: Egypt, and they went to live in the town of Nazareth again. And that's where baby Jesus grew up, until he was grown.
2: And so now you've heard it all about how God sent his only son to be born as a baby, so that later he could save everyone from their sins. And all it took was just a little Christmas. Glory to God in the highest peace on
3: earth, goodwill to men.
5: If you have a, if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, please take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, and uh, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, that's okay. It'll be on the screen here in just a moment. Philippians chapter two. We're going to begin in verse five. Everybody been. This has been a good holiday season, Christmas season for us. We've gotten to do a lot of things as a family um, that has pointed us to Jesus. And um, I'm thankful for that. And this was one of those things. We got to go to the nurse's home with, with the, the kiddos the other night as they performed this. And it was really neat to see that. Um, if you got to come earlier in the week, we went Christmas caroling and had more soup than any human being could ever eat. We had about 50 people show up and we had 20 crock pots full of soup. And, and it was great, though, to walk into the, the uh, assisted living center over here and just, just share Christ with people. Um, this season, our chances... The chances we, hit, we get to, to, to think on the Christmas story, to see nativities, to see people, see these little kids put on a program that exalts Jesus, to see, I mean, it was, it was really neat to see them, you know, obviously this is just a baby doll right here, okay, this is not Jesus, it's just a baby doll, we represented it, but to see those kids represented, bowing down before Jesus is an amazing thing to see. And I, and I hope sometimes when we, we don't just bypass this season, but we will see something, when you see a nativity, when you think about Christ at Christmas, you see even look at your tree. Here's what I hope you would see. I hope you see, and these are kind of unusual because most of the time you're thinking maybe chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Although probably none of us have had that. Okay, it doesn't even sound appealing. Okay, just to be honest. If you like that, you know, t- talk to me about it. Maybe I'll try it sometime at your house or something. Okay. You maybe think of home. You maybe think of family. You may think of you know, just going to see Christmas lights, or you may think of any number of things. And those things are not wrong, but that is not the goal of a true celebration of Christmas. And it's really to see two things. You need to see Jesus's humiliation and Jesus's exaltation. We don't usually think about humiliation unless we're watching Christmas Vacation and we're thinking Chevy Chase. And we're not talking about humiliation in the sense, although Christ was humiliated on the cross, we're not talking about him being, him being embarrassed necessarily, but we're talking about his him condescending, him coming down from the glories of heaven. And if you would, in the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul writes to the church, he says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even at death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The first section of this, of this passage shows us Jesus' humiliation. If you will, we're going to just walk through it one more time real quick. In verse 5 it says this, or verse 6 it says this, who, talking about Jesus, though he was the very form of God. Well, let's not misunderstand that. He was God in the flesh, or he would become God in the flesh. He was the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, and he was found in the very form of God, which means God came to earth in the form of a human. So it says in verse 6, he was in the form of God, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, let's not misunderstand that Jesus was equal to God the Father. They were in; He was in submission to God the Father by choice and by a way to honor the Father. And these are some difficult things to understand. Um, but one thing we need to know is He was not when He came to Earth. He was not any less God for coming to Earth. The point of this passage that he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped is he realized that he was going or he he voluntarily gave up the glories of heaven to come to earth and be born in a hole in the ground. Quite honestly, we think of state when we think of the manger scene and the stable scene, it's kind of cute, right? We think of it's this nice lean to and it's all clean straw, and the animals are just far enough away for it to be nice and sanitary. And all of our animals are usually plastic or inflatable or whatever you have now, okay? This was, all accounts and purposes and understanding what a stable would have been at this time, it was likely a cave dug out underneath the house in which you had a bunch of animals huddled up in there. If you've ever been around barnyard animals or seen them, we were in downtown Nashville last night, and even the horses that pull those carriages, they have leavings, if you know what I mean. He was born, he left the glories of heaven, he did not see, he did not, he did not hold on to his rightful purpose, and, he did not hold on to his rightful place in heaven. So that he could come and be born and take his first breaths in a stable, in a hole in the ground for animals. The psalm, we just say, how many kings would do that? That is not a dignified place. If you think of where a king would be born, it would be some really nice hospital or they would buy out the whole floor or it would be in a palace or it would be any number of places. But God, in his wisdom and his goodness to us, he comes in the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. He does not hold on to what is rightfully his. But he comes and he leaves that. In fact, verse six says it in such great terms. It says this. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, better better translated maybe, a thing to be held on to. But what does he do? He gave up his rightful desire because Jesus... When we see him in the gospels and the things that he does, you know, the feeding of the 5,000 with the happy meal, you know, he got the, the, the kids' meal and he breaks it up and he feeds everybody. And when you see him turning the water into wine, or you see him walking on the water, you see him speak to the storm and it stops, that is the example, that is a, the inside, that is who he is, his personhood shining through to show us that he is very much God. And he has all the prerogatives. Of God. But he does not hold on to that. But what does he do? In Christmas, we celebrate this. He made himself nothing. Bethlehem. Where he was born, the kids so rightly put it, means house of bread. Bethlehem makes Hartsville look like a metropolis. It was out in the middle of nowhere. And the king of kings was born a hole in the ground, not just a hole in the ground, but a hole in the ground in the middle of nowhere. That is leaving the riches of heaven and moving in and condescending and coming down. That is Humiliation. Recently, I've been watching this television show. It's on Netflix called The Crown, and it's about Queen Elizabeth. Okay, yes, I am a huge nerd. I just, I just came out with that, okay? I like, to, I like to learn about the monarchy in England, okay? I, I know. You're probably thinking, well, that guy's weird. It's true. That's what I like to do. And I think about this. The, the, all, the, all of the regality that goes along with being the queen when she was coronated, it, it, was, it was this huge, huge celebration that took months and months to plan, and they bring in the crowns, and they have this, there's a throne set up, and they have every part of it orchestrated. And to think that the, the God of the universe, the true king of everything, would not come in his royalty, but would come in humiliation, leaving behind what is rightfully his, which is all praise and honor and glory forever and ever, amen, to condescend to come to people who have turned their backs on him and have sinned and fallen short. What a thought that he came in the, even though he was in the very form he was God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to, but in his condescension, he made himself nothing born in the nowhere place, in a stable, taking the form of a servant because he would serve other people. Do you remember if you go back in the Gospels, they all go, and it's right before his crucifixion, and they're all sitting at the table, and everybody's thinking, I don't want to wash feet because that's what that was kind of the custom. Thank God we don't have to do that, right? When somebody comes over to your house, you don't have to wash their feet, wouldn't well, that be awful? But that was the custom of the time. And so you know who's the one who does it? They were trying to like find the low man on the totem pole to do it. No, Jesus, the leader, he picks up the towel and the basin and he washes these guys' feet. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The fact that God would serve people, his creation, is ridiculous. I mean... That, that is a notion that is hard to even grasp or think about. But he was washing feet. And then when Peter tried to say, hey, no, you can't wash my feet, he said, unless I do this, you don't have any part, of, part with me. Unless I serve you, you, can't, you don't have any part with me. He's like, okay, well, wash all of me. And Jesus doesn't have to do that. But you see the scene here is quite remarkable. So when you look at the manger scene, or you you have a time where you 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 hear that Christmas carol, or you see the kids perform. I want you to think about the fact that God came to Earth in the most humble of ways, and He came, as verse seven said, He made Himself nothing, being born in a nowhere place in a nowhere stable, nothing, with some parents who you know His birth happened in scandal because. Nobody was believing Mary and Joseph, really. No, the, the, the kids of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. He comes in this scandal and he is born in the middle of nowhere. He made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He was fully God and fully man. We talked about that importance last week how he had to be fully God to be our substitute, or fully man to be our substitute, and to live the perfect life we could not live and to die on our behalf. And he also had to be the Son of God because we owe our sin. Because our sin is against an eternal God, it deserves an eternal penalty. That's why he had to be big enough to take care of it. So he had to be God in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh for him to think about the fact that God would condescend for those who would rebel against him, and he would come and be, make himself nothing. So that we, and he came in our lightness with all of our frailties. The the older that you get the more, and I know some of you're thinking, you know you need to be quiet, you're thirty three and some of you're like you know that you're not you're not even there yet okay i how do you feel it? You start to kind of like fall apart, I mean you really do i mean i I started you know I started having like um like really tense neck and back muscles. And I don't even know. So I go to like a chiropractor or go to a masseuse. They're like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. Okay. When you wake up in the morning and you just feel the toll of life and existence. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe this is thing, come to youth camp with us this year. All right. Well, Mitch and I had a great time. And so did Amy. We went to youth camp. But about day two, all the other kids are like, yeah, let's keep going. We're like, yeah, let's do it. Ha. Ah. <laughs> okay. It's going to be fun. We're putting on a good face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it amounted to, The thing he took on all the frailties that we have. The need to eat, the need to drink, the God who is self-existent, who has never needed anything, he existed eternally in his glory and his goodness, he came to a place of need. He needed to eat, he needed to drink, he more than likely suffered like most of us do with the common cold. He had his body would have to build antibodies to fight things off. I mean, he was tempted and tried in all forms, yet without sin. To think of that humility. When we see it in the manger, the manger, the feeding trough, it just represents the humility of Christ. Not even laid in a bassinet. Not not laid with a fancy pillow. Didn't come home with the outfit that said, you know, baby's first day or whatever. Didn't have the bonnet wrapped in and, and, swaddling clothes and, and put in a feeding trough. Get the, humi- get the humility of this situation. Verse 8 says this, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. So when we see the manger, not only should we think about God's coming to earth and how big of a, dr- a jump that is and how he's leaving all this glory to come down to all this this, this humanity and this humble situation, really a, this, a situation we can't even imagine with how clean and neat we are in our culture. can't imagine a baby being born where animals, that, that's just hard for us to, to fathom here. But not only that, he came to die and to be obedient to God to the fullest. And that death was humiliating. They made sure it was humiliating. They made fun of him. They put above him on the cross. They put king of the Jews, and he was. But they didn't see it, and they mocked him. And they pulled out his beard, and they put a crown of thorns on him, And they crucified him between two thieves. That is humiliation. And we know something about this Jesus. We've seen the story. When we, when we see the nativity, we know he came as God in the flesh. He was born of the Holy Spirit through the Virgin Mary, and so he was fully God and fully man. He has all the prerogatives and rights of God. He did not see that as something to be grasped, but what did he do? He came to earth putting aside that, not, he, not that he didn't put off his godhood, but he put off his prerogative to get what he deserves, which is all glory and honor forever. And in in doing so, he humbled himself to the point of death. So when he is born, it's it's an example of his humility, his humility that would ultimately be seen in his humiliation, which would be the cross. And as he hung there, the sins of the world were placed on the spotless lamb, the one who would never, never sin. That is humiliation. Can you imagine where this would have been? A, his execution was a public spectacle. That's The Romans made crucifixions a public spectacle on purpose. Do you know what the purpose was? If you do the crime, you will do the cross, not the time, okay? They were crucified. Who was next to him? Were those capital offenses? They were thieves next to him. They were being killed for robbery. They were pretty harsh on crime, were they not? That was tough sledding. His death was a public spectacle. Many of us, I I go back to my little boy here. He played a duck today. I don't know if you got to see that. I enjoyed it. We don't know if it was a duck or a chicken, actually, because it kind of went back and forth. It was a chicken, I think. We had that debate. It's some type of fowl, okay, he played. We got to the nursing home the other night, and every other kid was like, let's do this thing. Just was like, uh-uh. I will not be a sheep or a cow or a duck or a chicken or anything. And so he had every other kid did stuff, and he was just kind of like, it's real. and some of you feel like that. You might be in the not that you don't want to be a duck, I'm not saying that, but you get that, like, the idea of you being put on display or being put on the spot and have to come in front of you is making some of you really nervous, because I think some of you are thinking, he's about to call on me right now and have me stand up, and I am not going to do that, okay? Do you think about this? Not only is Jesus in front of these, he's in front in his humiliation. They had stripped him, they would beaten him, they had hung him, and this is God in the flesh. And the nativity scene, with its humble manger and the parents with no room at the end, you, see, you get that God in his plan didn't even give his son a hotel room to be born in. You think about that. In the providence of God, to show his humiliation, he said, I'll let you be born in the lowest of circumstances. This is God coming to us in our lowest, weakest point, condescending. There is no person too high and mighty, no person too far out there for God not to condescend to him because he was born in a hole in the ground, for crying out loud. Your sins, you think he won't condescend and save you in your sin? He came and was born in a hole in the ground. Of course he will come. Of course his grace is sufficient. Of course his grace can reach you. Because the manger and the Christmas scene is evidence of his humiliation. But there's a therefore in this sentence. So I want you to get this. The result of Jesus' humiliation is Jesus' exaltation. The result of Jesus' humiliation, which we've seen, is his exaltation. Where do you get that? Look in the passage in verse 9. It says, therefore, if you're reading the Bible and you're getting lost and it sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher, I know you've been there, the, thou, Wa, wah, 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 and you get a therefore, you need to Stop. And you ask the question, we used to do this, I did this with my teenager all the time, what's the therefore, therefore? Ask that question, then here's the good thing. Therefore is a result, because Jesus was humble, because Jesus suffered, because he came, was obedient to the point of death to God the Father. Here is what he deserves and what he is due. Verse nine says, therefore, as a result of his humiliation, God has highly exalted him. There are some times when words can't adequately express the idea. Am I right? You're having a good time at a concert, and you're and what do you hear when people are liking it? Oh, that was excellent. No, what do you hear? Woo! That's what you hear. Yeah. Okay, free bird. I mean, something. All right. You know they're having a good time when you're on that. When they get to the highly exalted, that just words just they just they don't do the justice. It's, he is at the very highest place of honor because he humbled himself. That is, it, it's, it's upside down compared to our thinking, Because we think that somebody of a high position must act in a way that reflects that high position, but God in his goodness to us has condescended, and because he was obedient to the point of death, and he was obedient to God the Father, and because he came as this Savior and he died willingly on the cross in obedience to the Father, he deserves the highest of places. That is kind of the woo. He, you can't even understand how high he is exalted, which means how high he is to be praised, how high he is to be put above everything. And it says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed and given him the name that is above every name. When you see name, some people view the name of Jesus like it's sacramental. And let me help un- you unpack that, what I mean by that. If you just say the word Jesus, it's like a magic spell. You know, I was just I was having a good, bad day the other day. I just said the name Jesus. It's Yahshua in, 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 in the Old Testament. The name, there are people that are named Jesus or Jesus around us. So if that was the case, those people, who we'd be naming all our kids Jesus because there'd be some kind of blessing in it. There is no blessing in just that name, just those words and those vowels and consonants put together. The name represents his character and who he is. That's why when we sing about the name of Jesus, it's funny. We sing a lot of things we don't understand. We really do, and that's why it's important to like you know, unpack what we, while we're singing it and what it means. We sing at the name of Jesus. We're talking about the character and the fullness thereof, everything that his name represents, everything that he has done. So at the name of Jesus, this unique name, this unique one, not just anybody named Jesus, we're not just saying that, but in what he has done, we see this. God bestowed on him the name that is above every name. The personhood; he is above. It's talking about him at his essence, at his core. He has; he is at the highest place. He is at the highest place. And then it says this: so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, because Jesus was humiliated, obediently humiliated. God has bestowed on him the highest of positions and a name which represents his character that he should be at the foremost and should be praised above all others. So I want you to get this. Because Jesus came, was humiliated, and was obedient in his humiliation, and bought us back, he deserves all the praise, and he shall receive all the praise. There is a difference between deserving, and receiving. I'll give you your job. Many of you are very hard. I mean, I, I, I'm going to say, all, I'm going to say, I bet all of you are, okay? Just really hard workers do a really good job. And you probably, this notion has crossed your mind. If your boss is here, just, just don't nod your head. I don't want to put you in trouble. But the notion has probably crossed your mind, like, I am not as well compensated as I should be, I am not receiving what I deserve, right? So is there not a difference between deserving and receiving, right? So Jesus deserves all of the praise, the highest name, all of our worship, our knees to bow, our tongues to confess him as Lord. Am I right? He deserves that. He, that, is, that is what he deserves. He deserves our praise. He deserves our allegiance. He deserves our obedience. Why? Because he condescended and he came. But he's not like us in this, because most of us, maybe we deserve something better when it comes to salary, but we usually don't receive that, right? You're not, you, <laughs> most of the time, we don't think we're underworked and overpaid, right? Within the converse of that, we are overworked and underpaid, right? Can I get an amen, oh me, whatever? But here's the difference, the Bible talks about Jesus as deserving all the praise because he came and died. But it also talks about him receiving all the praise, that he will receive what is due to him. And it says very clearly, just want to make sure you, you see where I'm coming from. Verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him. He deserves the praise. Bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Just think about those kids bowing before Jesus represented here. So the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus deserves all the praise because of his humiliation, and Jesus will receive all the praise. Every person who has ever lived and who has ever gone on will one day recognize and worship, in a sense, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's whether this will be something uh, it will be willing or unwilling, and that makes a lot of difference. Those who willingly worship, who have received Him, who have believed in His name, will know his, know Him in His kingdom. Those who are begrudgingly worshiped, those who reject him now and have gone on or those who continue to reject him until he comes, those who will not bow the knee to Jesus in this life, they will bow one way or the other because you cannot deny when he comes, because he was humiliated and because he was obedient to God the Father, everyone will worship one day. Those who worship him willingly And have received him, will know the crown of life. Those who do not will know eternal death, but yet they will still acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And I want you to see this. There is something about the Nativity that reflects the fact that he is Lord. Even though it is humble, you should see humility. You should also see that Jesus will be exalted. We have this little, the little people. Are you familiar with this? um this little company that Fisher Price makes them they're very tiny little toys. And the other day I told Judson we were getting it out and I told him the Christmas story using these little people and I thought my mom and Amy were going to pass out cuz I was using voices and using the little people and he was like, "Whoa, okay. On the top of this little people nativity is an angel." Now, it's not theologically correct cuz it's never mind. It bothers me a little bit, but I can handle it. I take a deep breath and realize that it's okay. Fisher Price does not have to be theologically accurate, okay? So I take this little angel and it's on top of the stable and it's got the star on top of the stable and you press the angel down and it lights up and it goes, it plays a little song, and it shows exaltation. And then that's you know the wise men were probably not at the manger scene, okay? There are some people that try to recreate it. They were probably showed up. I hope I didn't ruin. Your day, okay? They were probably not at the manger scene. I hope it didn't ruin that for you, okay? It's possible, but probably not. But it's, it's good that they're part of the Christmas story. You know why? Because they bring gifts worthy of a king. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're going to talk about that on Christmas Day. But just know this, these are royal gifts. They're expensive gifts. They're given to this king. So in the, we see the humiliation. It's in a manger. It's in the feeding trough. It's it's around all these animals. It's in the hole in the ground. That he, There wasn't even enough room for the Son of God to be born in a hotel room. He had to be born in a hole. There's humiliation there. And it points to the cross. And it points to the fact that he's come. But there's also this exaltation that that people are seeing who he really is. And now we've had this Full revelation from the gospels, and he is the Son of God. Come humbled himself so that he could have the highest name and be praised by all the people who come to life through his name, through faith in what he has done. And therefore, we should, if this is coming, the exaltation will come, the universal exaltation of Jesus, the universal bowing, the universal acknowledgement that he is Lord is coming. Until that day, we are. An embassy of the praise of Jesus in a land that's not our home. And so I want to implore you to start the praise, the exaltation now. Because it's coming in the future more fully. Now, what does that look like? Well, first off, how do you exalt Jesus now? Well, f- I've seen it at this church. I am so, I'm so blessed to be a part of this congregation and to help lead it because we asked you guys to give and give and give and give this Christmas season, and you have you've given and given and given. We had a $600 goal for Lottie Moon to take the, the name of Jesus, the praise of Jesus to the world. You crushed it. Over two thousand dollars. We just crushed the six hundred dollar goal. We were, we were. He we had no faith when we put the six hundred dollars. Just to be honest with you. Repent of that in front of you. God did bigger and better. We've asked for commodities and goods. We've gotten it from outside the church. People would call us. Can we give you stuff? Yes, we'll take it. Okay, <laughs> absolutely. We got more food. We got turkeys in this freezer down there. We got when I mean, they just showed up, didn't they, Roy? They call like we need meat. They're like, hey, you need meat? Yeah, we need meat. Okay? And me just showed up. We got giant turkeys we're gonna give to people today. We have overflowed with kindness and generosity. People find out people need something. We've heard about it through the grapevine. God has provided. Time and time again, generosity shows the, it shows the ex- exaltation of Jesus. We are generous. We are making much of Jesus because he was generous. And when we do, we make sure we gotta do it in Jesus' name now. We can't just be nice to be nice. We have to do it in Jesus' name. Why? Because our goal is to make much of the one who, who is deserving of it all. So that's, that's one, to keep being generous in Jesus' name because that is one way you exalt Jesus at this time of year, and that's one way you show his coming kingdom. The second thing I want you to do, do you realize something? There's two things that are fighting you right now in exalting Jesus. It's the fear of awkwardness and the belief that people don't want to hear it. Okay? There is something to be said about both those things kind of exist. Awkwardness exists. If not come around me, you'll find awkwardness soon, okay? Awkwardness exists. <laughs> and <laughs> my wife's laughing a little too hard at that. Awkwardness exists, and people sometimes they don't want to hear it, but I want you to know something. At Christmas time, people are much more open to hearing good news. And there are much more opportunities to talk about. Jesus and exalt him. And that does not necessarily have to be you coming in and giving a full gospel presentation. In fact, that might ruin your party. Okay? I'm not discouraging you from sharing the gospel. I hope you hear that. Okay? Well, hey, told me not to share the gospel. That guy's an idiot. Okay? I may be an idiot, but that's not what I was saying. But here is here are the here's where you could go with this an exaltating an exaltation of Jesus. You can just say how thankful you are for the gift of Jesus in front of people, just to say it. It will be awkward. But it, it's for Jesus. And doesn't he deserve us to mention him? We'll talk about. The Star Wars movie that we saw and liked. We'll talk about any of the other things, but if that's the thing we treasure the most, we have to talk about it. Don't make it cheesy. Don't have to work it, work it in. You don't have to just. You don't have to be sitting on pins and needles, just ready. Like, hey, what would you like for? What would you guys like to drink? I like Jesus. No, I didn't work out too well. Jesus, babe, this is awesome. Okay, but in your traditions as a family, when you give the presents out, you can just say, "Gifts were given to Jesus." He was the great gift given to us. We and the wise men in response gave gifts. And that's why we give, because Jesus is this gift. It can be something simple like that. It could be something, uh, you talking around saying, I'm so thankful for this in my life and how Jesus has blessed me here. You talk even about your struggles and how Jesus has helped you overcome those struggles. That exalts the name of Jesus. Do not miss this opportunity. Do not miss any opportunity to exalt the name of Jesus. It does not have to be overly contrived. It does not have to be something super uber awkward. But it has to be something you think about in your soul. And, you have, and I, I encourage this to be honest and heartfelt and genuine. I know it's difficult when somebody's telling you to do it. But pray and ask the Lord just, To let what you're feeling on the inside, that well, the welling up of praise, come out in your mouth. And so, I want to encourage you when you look at the manger scene to to see these two ideas: to see the humiliation of Jesus, and to understand the depths of love and mercy and grace that God the Father sent God the Son to be the obedient sacrifice. And then he sent him in the most humble of ways, not as a king, but as a servant, to to live a holy, righteous life in full obedience. And in so doing, in his death and his resurrection, he has secured for himself something God bestowed, the name that is above every name. We see his humiliation. We also see his exaltation in the star and in the wise men and the angel's proclamation. We see Jesus was humble. He came to die. But he also, in his humiliation, he is exalted to the highest place. And his, his exaltation is to start now. How does it start? It starts with our generosity and the, and the example of giving in Jesus' name. But it also continues on with us speaking the praise of God. Work to speak the praise of God in your family get-togethers. You may have to embrace the awkward. But one way or the other, every person at your family holiday get-together will bow at the name of Jesus. And we pray that as many as we preach to will, will receive him gladly and bow with joy in their hearts. And we preach so that none will bow begrudgingly. How worthy of praise is Jesus? I mean, how worthy? He came at your lowest point. He came at humanity's lowest point. He came to a people who had sinned against him and been redeemed and sinned and redeemed and sinned and redeemed all throughout the history of the Old Testament. Then silence broke. The people were in exile it didn't seem like it could get much darker, then boom, hope appeared in the birth of a baby in a town in the middle of nowhere, in a hole in the ground. God came to earth, gasping for air as he comes out of the womb. The cry rang out, and that cry was good news. And he came, so that he met us just like then he meets us at our lowest point of need to show us goodness and grace and mercy through his humility and to call us to praise him. He is worthy of every amount of praise. And that's like, man, sometimes I wish I had more rhythm. Sometimes I wish I could get into it more. Sometimes I wish that I could, I, I could show you what I am feeling inside. I try to do it with hand motions. It doesn't help, and the words escape because Jesus deserves all of our praise. He deserves all of our obedience. He deserves all the highest of honors, and one day we will see that. Until that becomes sight, we will work to praise him. And I pray your Christmas gatherings are fun and awesome and you got figgy pudding if you like that or you got chestnuts roasting if that's a thing. Here, I don't know. I hope you have a good time and have the holly jolly and all that kind of stuff, but I hope at the center, at the crux, at the very preeminent place would be the exaltation of Jesus. And so just don't let it be. You don't have to make it overly awkward. Just speak the praise of God. So speak the praise of Jesus to those around you. Because every knee should bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We're going to ask our communion team to come forward, and the way we're going to end this service today is with communion. Communion team, if you would come up, and I ask you right now as we pass out these elements, and you're welcome to receive it if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we believe this is a symbol of what Christ has done. In fact, the the things in the back, they'll begin handing it out. These elements represent his body broken, his blood spilled. And um, if you just take a few moments of silent prayer, and we'll take these elements together.